0: that's rock!
1: Thanks, Dad.
0: Can I get it open?
1: Woo No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. And here are your hosts. Dan, Jamie and Al. Welcome, patrons of the show. Thank you again for your support. And we are here for another season wrap-up show. This, I, I couldn't believe we were at this season. The infamous season. I can't believe it's over. That's even more shocking than anything. And I can't believe what we discovered along the way. So this is going to be a lot of uh, just a very different wrap-up show, and one of the reasons it'll be different is because Dan couldn't make it, but Jamie and I have a special guest host in Luigi, the master of uh, the Marrow Children research team. (laughs) Uh, You and Annabelle are an amazing tag team. Uh, Welcome to the wrap-up show, man. Thanks a lot,
0: Alex. I'm glad to be back as always.
1: Yes. Always great to have you back, man. We're going to mention all the Hall of Fame episodes that we all get that got five ratings across the board. We're going to go for our hot chicks as usual. Sex points, I I don't think there's many to speak of, right, Luigi? Isn't there like two instances?
0: Uh, I think there were um, a few more instances. Maybe we didn't necessarily record them, but uh, there was a clear winner.
1: Okay, yeah. And we're going to do best moments and not even necessarily from each character because we actually have a lot to talk about. Uh, you know, we don't want to go too long. Um, there's just a lot of things to cover in terms of this whole shark jumping fiasco. You know, we – touched upon it throughout the year because I wanted to give people a little bit of a flavor of what we do in the wrap-up show that I deliberately did that when I kept doing broad strokes uh, for the season I did it about five or six times and that was to to show that uh, you know kind of what we do in the wrap-up show without really making it that obvious um, I' gonna talk about some of the Hall of Fame episodes and and why they and if we think looking back on it that if they were deserving or not sure.
2: Yeah, why don't we uh, start with the? Why don't we start with the very first one? I think that
1: wasn't that a Hall of Famer? Yeah, T R A something. No, well, no, Magnificent Seven was the first episode of the season.
2: Right? Was it, did not everyone give that a five?
1: No. Oh. Okay. I thought that you know I would try to really isolate it and treat it as if that was just this episode and. It's not like – you can't judge it based on, oh, you ruined my show. Look what you brought on to my show. Instead, I based it on, well, did they do a – is it a, just a good episode, period. Oh, it looks like I rated it lower than you guys. You guys liked it more than me. So I gave it a four and you both gave it a five. Yeah,
2: okay. I knew it
0: was pretty high and I knew I gave it a five.
1: Yeah, Luigi gave it a three point.
0: Yeah, I I rated it lower. And, you know, I I have to apologize to everyone. You know, I think that I let seven cloud my my judgment on that particular one uh, because I did rate it lower. I mean, it was funny. I probably would have should have gone with a four myself. Um, I didn't like the ending, um, sort of like when Al busts into uh, Bobcats and Linda Blair's uh, trailer. I feel like it could have been more there. Uh, to maybe complete the joke, but um, I'll stand by my rating. But I, I do feel like I probably rated it a half a point lower than I
1: should have. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. Your rating's not horrible. I mean, it's not like it's a fantastic episode. Or, well, I guess Jamie thought it was, but she likes Linda Blair because she's a huge horror fan, right? Jamie, that kind of put it, put you over a little bit, right?
2: Honestly, Bobcat, that <laughs> did it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of Linda Blair. I I like a lot of her movies: Hell Night, The Exorcist, obviously. But the her herself is, yeah, not really. But Bobcat, I love. So he's the one who put it over for me. Oh,
1: all right. Well, there you go. So um, then we go to T R A something spells Tramp, and that was our first Hall of Famer for the year. That was the Corey Feldman episode when Kelly goes on a date with him. She's in the park car with him and all that type of stuff. Peg tries to spice up the marriage by spending Saturday night communicating with Al. You know, uh, things like that. We just really love that one. You know, it's weird looking at this whole thing. When I looked at that, and I saw that that episode was a Hall of Famer, I was actually surprised. I was like, just in thinking about it, I was like, man, I don't remember it being that good. You know? Um, But I guess it was when we examined it. Well, it's... um... Spoiler:
2: It's going to show up again somewhere uh, during our conversation today. Right? I there are a lot of things I love about them. Obviously, there's the Feldman thing, but you know how I feel about when they take up for each other, and so I think at the end, when Bud, you know, comes in for Kelly, you know it.
1: And gives him the new non-social distance uh, hug. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's right.
1: Oh, <laughs> is that amazing? Andy
2: wasn't wearing a mask. What's wrong with him? Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there are a lot of things about that episode that I really love, and I think also we, everyone was so worried about this season going into it that whenever we had like a really solid episode, I think that. Uh, it was just that much more of a pleasure. I was looking at the ratings that we all gave for this season, and overall, there was really high. You know, for the for the majority of it, and I think honestly, that's because we were just every every episode that was good was a pleasant surprise, and it was like, oh my god, it was really good. You know, so um, I think that was part of it, at least.
1: Now, Luigi, you being the guy who does the stats, what did you think when you when you looked at all these ratings and you knew about, you know, season seven? Wh- were you surprised or since you listened along the way before you kind of made these charts, did you feel, oh, well, this makes sense? And yeah, it, it definitely uh, it's in line.
0: It was it was very interesting for me because you know I think like I had bought into the whole season seven jumping the shark thing so you know going into it my opinion was a little cloudy it was clouded by it but um, you know retrospectively as we started looking at it and we started looking at each episode objectively and again mostly as a listener I found that we had a lot of gems in this episode, in this season um, very very different you know very different perception of what season seven was supposed to be. And I think even, you know, for those uh, of us on the Facebook page, you know, fans of the podcast, you know, um, like myself, I, I think we were pleasantly surprised. I mean, it really wasn't that bad. And, you know, Dan himself did say, you know, it was like, I think people got clouded because of the kid. Um, you know, it may be like some, most of those episodes were rated lower, but there were some great solid episodes. Um, some really great writing that happened in season seven.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at it, and it looks like every episode seems to have scored over a three point five, except for two, which was <laughs> one of one of them is pretty ugly. <laughs> yeah, we all know the one. Every Bundy has a birthday. That that rated an overall two score. Rock of Ages was a second weakest one, and that's mostly because Dan gave it a two point five. Jamie and I, I gave it a 3.5. Jamie gave it a 4. So the next Hall of Famer we have is Al on the Rocks. We just really liked this whole thing of um, Al being forced to take a second job as a topless bartender and Jefferson joining him. We just really, really liked that one. You know, just hearing that, again, it's surprising. I never thought of Al on the Rocks as one of the greatest episodes or anything. Uh, Again, I guess... You know, fresh off examination, it was. And he had nothing
0: in his
2: pants. (laughs) (laughs) That one, it wasn't really on my radar as far as a top episode, you know, off the, the top of my head. But when I was going back through all these episodes, you know, going back through to Refresh, I when that one came up and I was like, oh, that was yeah, that was a really good episode. So it's, it wasn't one that just stuck there. But once I thought about it, then I was like, yeah, that was a good one. And I couldn't really believe that I hadn't thought about it, that it hadn't been right there, because I thought it was a really fun one.
1: It's weird, like when you put something in the Hall of Fame, which is just a a joke kind of term we came up with when something gets all top ratings, you know, Um, it doesn't exactly, it doesn't It didn't like we didn't put a lot of thought into this means this is the greatest thing ever. You know, we don't think that way. We're just saying, yeah, somehow it all got fives. You know, it's interesting and weird to wonder, like, if the general public feels this way and if things land the same way with that. I know a couple other ones it does. Like, for example, we have the movie show. I think that would be considered a Hall of Famer. Right, Luigi, from the general fan, you'd imagine, from what we've seen on Facebook and all that. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, and then that one you had four people on. Um, you had Stephen Scott was your guest, so I mean, all four of you gave it to five, so that was very uh, interesting. And you know, again, not surprising.
2: I was going to say when I was doing my uh, my research for this show, I came across an article that listed the top ten episodes of season seven, and I think that the the impetus of that article was the fact that seven is or season seven is pretty notorious, and a lot of people remember it unfondly, which doesn't, in retrospect, doesn't really make any sense because it was a very good, it was a very good season. But um, I think that that's probably where the idea for that article came from. Anyway, I listed the top 10 episodes. And as I was going through just reading that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, (laughs) and their ranking wasn't the same as mine. And they had they had in their top 10, they had some episodes that I wouldn't have considered to be top 10 episodes necessarily, but they were all solid. And I I was like, you know what, that's good, because even though I have mine that I consider the top and then you've got this person over here and they have these completely different ones at the top. That means that, yeah, overall, this was a very solid season.
1: Right. Yeah. When you think about it that way. If you have all these other top ones, and they do, if, if that many are considered top ten by various people, then I guess this is a good season. Now, Luigi, I'm looking at this chart. Is there an overall number for the entire season? Uh, in terms of ratings? Yeah. Um, just
0: give me one second.
1: <laughs> I'll do it for you. Uh, oh, does it take long? Or is it? No.
2: Just. Take- oh, you just have to add them and get the average, I guess.
1: I know, but I don't want him to sit there and add up 22 things. It comes out to a 4.2 overall. Wow, that's impressive. That's huge. 4.2 average out of 5? That's like saying the season's an 8 out of 10. Man, I don't think anybody would expect to hear that. Either they think we're crazy or they think that, they understand it once we went in depth with every episode. Because you got to remember, when you, most people think of season seven, they broad stroke seven himself, and he was in reality in there in the whole season about seven minutes.
2: Like it right. so, <laughs> does it, he really has no impact.
1: It's it's a, a huge high rating. Now another Hall of Famer was Mister Empty Pants. That's completely understandable. Dan wasn't there. Tyler gave it a five also. One more is, oh, Peggy and the Pirates, which is completely understandable to me as well. The three of us gave it a five. That was the return of of Steve Rhodes. And it was just a unique episode that was done so well. The set was beautiful. Everything paid off. Not a dull second in that episode.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as a fan of the podcast, I will say Jerry was very missed on that review.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really was bummed out Jerry couldn't make that one, um, so we had him send in a clip. But, man, that would have been so cool if he was there. It was a shame. Scheduling has been tough lately. It's just not what it used to be. When we were all younger, we were all able to get things done. And now it's like, can you make it? Oh, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. So things have just become tougher. Uh, But we're still trying to, to forge our way through here. And we have four seasons left. Uh, it'll be an interesting uh, end of the ride. So let's get to hot chicks of the season, season seven. Uh, so there's a lot to choose from. Um,
0: so uh, near and dear to my heart. I know this will probably come out of left field. Uh, my favorite of the season was Jamie Loner. She played, please, she played Jerry in Frat Chance.
1: Oh. I was just looking at those girls. Now, is this the one that was more vocal? Right. She was the one that's like, Hey
0: buds, like it's time to dance. She was on, um, that show. Was it just the 10 of us? That, uh, growing pain spinoff. And she was on Melrose place.
1: If you remember, Mm
0: -hmm. you know, so, um, I think I, I've I've always, uh,
1: had a thing for her. (laughs) Nice. Wow. Look at you, man. Frat chant. Yeah, just like Al Bundy, what I'll say is I like picked the redhead. So that's uh,
0: my downfall. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Jamie, how about you? Who is uh, Now, I know Jamie probably, she would have picked Rodrigo. <laughs> <laughs> I would
2: never pick
1: Rodrigo. <laughs> oh, that's the response I was hoping for.
0: That's <laughs> yeah, <you know>, <laughs> the only response there is. Yeah.
1: yeah, Jamie, he ended
0: up on the list. That's why.
1: Yeah, Luigi put him on there for you, and because Al said he'd pick Rodrigo.
0: No, no. Um,
2: I feel like there were way more this season than, um, than typical. Am Am I wrong? Is it like I just feel like there
1: just were like a parade? I would say. Well, Luigi has the numbers. Um. Wow, he has a lot here. I would say, if I'm just going to glance at this, I'm going to say there's 20 chicks to choose from, or more, uh, maybe 25.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we have at least one Playboy playmate. Um, That's uh, Barbara Moore, who played Deanna on The Wedding Repercussion Show.
1: Oh, that's why I picked her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, again, I mean, you could pick Charlene
0: Tilton. I mean, but, you know, again, you're picking her as she looked at that point in time. Vanna White, obviously, you know, um, I mean, a couple of famous people, you know, and uh, I I will say, Jamie, uh, just to make you laugh on that one with uh, Vanna White, um, you remember one one of the episodes this season, you talked about how there was someone you work with that would have dreams about, I guess, like her husband or boyfriend cheating on her and, you know, she would be mad at him for like weeks about it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that actually happened to me with uh, my ex-wife. She uh, she had a dream that I was having an affair with Vanna White. So Wheel of Fortune was banned from the house for like months after that. Wow. <laughs> wow. So then
2: this episode is like porn.
1: <laughs> yeah, she must have oh
0: my God. I, I, or that I'd ex- say it's like one of the... Yeah, it's an instance of like, you know, a life imitating art. Uh, I don't think she ever saw like the Vanna White episode because obviously I used to watch this. But I thought that was very funny and very poignant when you talked about it because it was like that same thing happened to me.
1: I bet that's your favorite episode. (laughs) Although I think maybe like Vanna would
0: be like number three for me. Um, Actually, you know, I did like Candy Lipinski as well. So maybe she's my number two.
1: Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I have um, my number one is Deanna, the same girl, Barbara Moore from Wedding Repercussions that Bud so scumbaggily cheated on his cousin, uh, you know, uh, took his cousin's chick with. Um, But I have like a bunch of babes I was into, like the ones in Al's Biker Fantasy. There were it was the one where it's like the triangle formation of this one girl in the middle and two on the sides. I like the two on the sides. Yeah, I think one was a blonde. I didn't like her. I like the other two. I like the chicks from the Mr. Empty Pants Playgirl photo shoot. I thought two of them were hot, I believe. Uh,
0: Candy, Sandy, and Mandy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Deanna's definitely my pick, and Vanna White is in there, too. When she drops that robe in Al's bedroom, it she is just like, wow.
2: Ah, I just can't get past you know, yeah. those legs. She's so
0: skinny. <laughs> She, I, you know and uh, i mean i'll tell you she is aged very well
2: oh yeah she definitely has I mean, but, but i think like she's just... i think she looks better with her clothes on <laughs> because she's, yeah. i just i can't i i, I don't know <laughs> but um what's interesting about the the women of the i was i was really 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 trying i was really trying i was going through all these and nobody stuck out to me they really they just like i can't nothing stuck and when then i was like well there's joey lauren adams and i've always thought she was adorable but then her character kind of got in my way and it just it's impossible like and when we're talking about like in this context i really shouldn't even take that into account but it just irked me so much that i was like i can't so i don't know why i just don't remember being struck by anyone and then as I was going back through, I just couldn't find anyone that was like, you know, here I am. You
0: know, so. Right. Yeah, um, definitely not like season six in that regard. Yeah, you know, the one thing I will say about Vanna White, you know, my, um, you know, I remember there was that movie Goddess of Love she did. You know, I think that was in the 80s. You know, and even like her performance on the show, like, she's just seemed very wooden to me. Like, you know, she didn't have like, like, I guess, like a natural type of like reaction. And I don't know if that's just a matter of like what she does for a living, but it's almost like, you know, she's got like a brace on her back and she turns around like with her whole head. <laughs> you know, her, her movements are, you know, very like wooden. You know, it's not. Oh, cool. you're right.
2: And I think her delivery is too. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, and it sounds like, um, like I have the old PlayStation one video game for Wheel of Fortune and she does the hosting on that and her delivery on that is exactly the same as her delivery whenever she acts and it's just you know it sounds I don't know it just sounds very stiff to me you know there was one particular line in the episode that she was on oh it's at the very end when Peggy's like you're gonna go buy ice cream and she goes no I'm going to buy Ben and Jerry and (laughs) i just like <laughs> walked out and I was like okay yeah, like it just it it just felt I and I think it's probably because what she does is is game show host all the time that's that's what she does and so it, that doesn't require a lot of emoting or actual acting you know she's just is and she's presenting so I, I feel like that That's why it comes off the way it does, because that's what she does.
1: So, Yeah, but she really is good at memorizing her line. (laughs) That's one thing you can't take away.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, Chantel Dubé is Candy Lipinski. I thought she was a lot more fluid in in her actions. She was also, she was on The Price is Right. So, uh, again, that was my number two. Now, Alex, I know you've you've talked a lot about, you know, uh, J-Lo being, uh, you know, sort of your aspiration, you know, being also 10 years older. I mean, uh, would you uh, hit Vanna uh, White if you had the opportunity?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know necessarily what she looks like now. Um, I haven't seen her um, in 20 years. I- at this episode. She honestly looks the same. Yeah. She never ages. It's It's
2: kind of bizarre, <laughs> but in a good way.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I have, like, a major desire for her. She's not really my type. Like, she doesn't exude sexuality or anything to me. Um, I think she's really cool Um, and things like that. I'm a fan of her and what she represents and the nostalgia of her and the fact that she's still there and, like, all that stuff I admire and all that. But – and what she's made of all this. Um, It's fascinating, really. All that, but uh, like J Lo has so many things that I I like about her, like the way she talks, the way she laughs, the her songs, her movies, her interviews, her comedy skits on SNL. It's the only watchable thing on SNL, in my opinion. Like things like that. Like she's to me, she has so many things I like about a person, and of course the looks. Like she just has all that stuff. So like it's weird to find somebody with that that has a lot of um, ventures. And you like every one of them, you know, so um, she's like a total package type person for me. And that's why she's like my Marilyn Monroe to, to all the kids in the 50s and whatever. I don't think of Vanna White, really. So I can't really say. But, yeah, physically, I mean, it's I guess it's the old saying. I wouldn't kick her out of bed, sure.
2: <laughs> now, if Holly from The Price is Right had been on this season, No. Oh then that's a whole different story for me because I always thought Holly was beautiful.
0: Oh, yeah. I think that was the reason why I watched The Price is Right when I was five years old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't Bob Barker. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we'll save our favorite episodes and least favorite episodes for the end. So for now, and yes, don't worry, we will go over the seven thing and the jump the shark thing. Well, I guess we could do that now before we even get to best moments. Oh, w- You know, because uh, we're not going to do, like, character best moments. Unless you guys have them. You could, you know, list them off, sure. But I have uh, – I did it a little different this year. I just did um, – I just wanted to run through, like, 10 to 15 of my favorite moments of the season. And that's about it. Kind of justifying um, why I don't think it jumped the shark because that's, like, a big uh, topic. Now, we put that on our Facebook page if this season jumped the shark or not um and of course it was after our reviews and we weren't even done reviewing i think we had five episodes to go or maybe more and we were asking i think i asked around um probably around the movie show if if this season jumped the shark and most of you voted that upon um closer viewing you agree with the Marrow Children podcast, and this season did not jump the shark, despite making a, a boneheaded decision in the beginning of the year, and I I liken it to Peg's pregnancy in the beginning of season six. Nobody says that jumped the shark, but those uh, Hail Baby meetings and all that stuff, that was like sort of insufferable in the same way that uh, Seven is, in my opinion. I don't really think he's much worse than the Hail Baby stuff. And on and on about this pregnancy stuff. And again, even there, that first episode when they presented Peg's pregnancy, that was a great episode. I rated that very high. And I think for the most part, we all did. It was really good. Just like this Magnificent Seven episode wasn't really bad. You guys both gave it a five. And I gave it a four. It just, it just wasn't a bad episode. And Luigi gave 3.5. But like he said, I don't think it's any different. I understand that that stuff can get stuck in your head and, you know, people hate things like that. The Cousin Oliver syndrome and they hate the the new dog, Lucky or whatever. And, yeah, I understand that. I'm totally on board with you. But, like I said, under examination, we what we really realized about this Kid 7 is that they did everything they can to kind of scoot him off as soon as they could. <laughs> I mean, he really wasn't in this that much to make a difference and he was even absent from a good number of episodes with or without explanation
0: i I think what you know i listening as a fan of the podcast i think the one revelation that really came to me was that the writers of the show actually wrote him like buck i mean Mm -hmm. he effectively had like two lines at most for the for each episode after his birthday episode and you know they (laughs) effectively it's like they brought him in it's like one line and then he goes up the stairs just like the dog Very profound. Very profound.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The most fascinating one was when he was just putting Al's shoe on or something. That's all he did one episode. Right. (laughs) (laughs) How can you complain? It's almost like, come on! They were the everyone's with you. They knew what happened. They, they said, "Ooh, yeah, this isn't this isn't going to work." And I they think immediately- everyone
2: has Mandela affected him into the show more than more than he was actually there. You know, maybe it's like PTSD or something where they they just for whatever reason he stuck out as something that was traumatizing, and that's all they remember. But in reality, it wasn't anything at all.
1: No, even in that birthday show, it wasn't really bad because of him being on it a lot or saying a lot. No, it was just a bad episode. It was just a bad episode. It was an insanely insufferable episode. It was the worst thing I think I've ever seen to this point. If you get rid of like these spinoff things that they did, the approach to the humor was bad. The topic was bad, the execution was bad. I don't know what was good about it, really. I was so generous to give it a two point five. I guess I felt bad about everything I said for an hour. Jamie gave it a one point five, or Dan. I was Dan. Dan, actually Dan. Yeah, yeah. And Jamie gave it a two. Yeah, it averaged out to a two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I it was the worst rating. Actually, the worst rating of all of the episodes since you guys began the podcast.
1: Wow. Yeah. Um. So there you go. So think about that. Um. But so yeah, an episode like that can definitely mess with your perception.
2: Well, I remember when going into the discussion about that episode, I was really nervous because, or, you know, to to be talking about it with you guys because I knew that I didn't like it at all. I was like, oh man, this is gonna be horrible because they're really gonna like it and I'm gonna say I hate it and then <laughs> it's just gonna be bad. Well, then, like, at Dan uh, kind of tipped his hat, you know, that he didn't like it. And I was like, oh, okay, good. I might be good. This might be okay. And then it turns out that you didn't like it either. And I'm like, oh, thank God. (laughs) I just like, am I, is it, I thought I was crazy. Like, I seriously thought I was going crazy. Like, how can I think something is this bad? But then when it turns out that I wasn't the only one that thought that, that it was, then I felt much better. But I seriously thought I was like, did I miss something? Am I losing my mind? What happened? (laughs) It was just Um, so bad.
0: and, you know, one thing I want to point out about that episode, it was written by Richard Gurman, who, you know, um, who actually wrote Peggy and the Pirates.
1: Amazing, right? So,
0: so in other words, so the same writer wrote a pretty crappy episode. I mean, I just thought the dialogue, everything about that episode, the delivery was just horrible. Everything. You know, I mean, so I totally agree with you. And then all of a sudden, you get into Peggy and the Pirates. Same writer, you know, was able to use, you know, different elements. And that was more of a fantasy episode, so... I guess you know the writer has can be you know take a little bit more um what's the word a little I more li- like a little more license in terms of you know like what the material you that you're using but um, that was I found that to be interesting as well you know like the contrast between the two episodes
1: fascinating one is a, a two the worst rated episode the other one's a hall of famer i just don't even understand that but yeah thank god they brought him in to, to do that i mean he was he was the right guy for that episode uh, uh, and uh, the worst for this birthday one and the fascinating thing to me personally is that i remember saying i remember thinking that i liked the birthday episode one time in my life when i watched it i think i walked away thinking it was good and i can't imagine what state of mind i was in to think that way uh it's it's unbelievable so you know, when you break it down you you take apart if you if you Take everything he contributed to every episode. You'd lose a minute or less, tops, three minutes. So you still have nineteen minutes of content, or eighteen, or usually twenty-one, because <laughs> they're all twenty-two, right? So, like, you're, there's really so much content without him, and all of it was was strong. It was all still going good. You had both these guys here: Ron Levitt, Michael Moy which is not going to be the case moving forward. So this is the last hurrah. And I think it was a good one.
0: Yeah. So there used to be a website called jumptheshark.com, if I remember the URL correctly. And you can find it on archive.org. You can go back in time. Because I remember in the early 2000s, it was, uh, you know, a thing. Uh, it got bought by somebody. So all that stuff is, is gone. But you could find a TV it on the archives. It. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, you know, um... Everyone talked about, for, specifically for married with children, jumping the shark. You know, uh, Ted McGinley is the patron saint of shark jumping because I say any show that he's on, once he's on, it jumps the shark. So, um, and he actually attacked the guy who started that website because, you know, it, it was I guess supposed to have been a lighthearted joke, but people took it to be, um, you know, there's always that segment of the population that takes things seriously. Um, but I mean. I think people use that. And even Amanda Burse, when she was on your show, she said that this was the moment that um, the show jumped the shark in her opinion. But, you know, based on everything we've seen, looking at it objectively, looking at it, you know, looking at episodes on their own. And, you know, with all of this, you know, 27 years that have passed since then, um, I will say no, it did not jump the shark yet.
1: No. And and we got to remember, Amanda Burse, has done a zillion things since she did a season of a TV show in 1993. She did not go back and do a close examination. She did not go back and really take a good look at every single episode that came out and really gave an assessment. She is just going by the chaos that was happening on set. What everybody was saying behind closed doors when the kid left. Oh, God, what are we doing here? Blah, blah, this is going wrong. She probably thought that birthday episode was terrible. And she's heard fans for years say how much they hated that kid. And she's heard fans for years say, oh, that's when the show jumped the shark. But you guys, I thought you, you recovered pretty well, blah, blah, you know, whatever. But she's heard that forever. So she's, that's exactly what she's going to say. So it's not something you should take to heart or think that it's gospel just because she said it, even though she is obviously a major player on the show um, for the, all the reasons I mentioned.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, looking ahead, Alex, you know, if you start looking at seasons eight and nine, you know, I think like the whole, like, um, I mean, we have the introduction of No Man that happens, you know, a lot more directions in the shoe store, uh, Griff, his partner, all these characters come in, you know, that is like a way of expanding Al's universe. I mean, other than the gimmick of seven you know, if you think about, you know, the character, like they, it's still the core characters in season seven. And the writing was very, very strong. I mean, and the, the ratings that you guys gave them really reflect that. I mean, if you look at the list of the people who wrote them or wrote these episodes, I mean, it's a solid group of people who delivered, You know, from, you know, from season to season. So, you know, I think as you go along now, they're going to have these gimmicks. So how well are those episodes going to go? And the other thing I'll say is, you know, if you look at the data, it's very consistent. You know, it's it's averaging the same. So I'd be very curious as a fan of your show to see what it's going to look like as you get into seasons nine and ten. Like, you know, I think there's always going to be a good episode. You probably still have a couple of Hall of Famers, but um, I think you might see more of swings. It's like you might go from a two to a five you know, back down to a two and another two. That's, As a, uh, that's my prediction. That's my prediction. As
2: a listener of the show, when you're going along through this season with us, do you feel like are we, do you feel like our ratings fall in line with yours or do you think we were off base on some of the, some of our choices?
0: Um, no, you know um, I think that again, you know, I never really, until I, I discovered the podcast. I never really looked at things objectively. I was just looking at it for entertainment value, and I had my favorites. But you know, now that you know the episode gets deconstructed, um, I think that this. You, I mean, you guys as a team put a lot of thought into it. So you know, I start to look at um, a scene or you know, a a plot line a lot differently. And it's like, okay, you know, from its entertainment value, yeah, there's always funny lines in each of them. There's always great one-liners, but, you know, does the episode make sense? Does it have some continuity? Even within the episode, forget about the series, because we know that the series has no continuity. But, um, you know, how does it work? And, you know, I come to the end of the, you know, when I hear the rankings, it's like, wow, it's like everything is very well thought out. And, you know, I'm okay with, you guys giving something a 1.5 or a 2.5. And if I think it's funny, but it's like, okay, you have an opinion, you know, there's, there's a reasoning behind it. And again, humor is also very personal to all of us. So what you find funny may not be what I find funny, but as long as, you know, I think in each episode, you are approaching it with some enthusiasm. It's like, okay, it's like, I want to be entertained. It's like, okay, give me your best shot today. You know? And then when it comes out of it, it's like, see where the smoke clears.
1: Right. And, you know, first and foremost, you know, we're fans of this show. Um, being a fan of it, do you feel the way I do? Are you surprised at how well this show holds up under examination? Oh, absolutely. Like, didn't you think this would all fall apart?
0: Yeah. You know, and again, I mean, I think you know, at the end of season six, you know, uh, when I did the uh, England Three show, Like I talked about it. I'm like, I was like, oh, you know, well... well Wait till season seven comes, right? <laughs> and, you know, then like, you know, once we got underway and I think by the time we got to, I'm going to say like, um, like Kelly doesn't live here anymore. I was like, wow, this is some very smart writing. It's like, wow, you know, like, wow. It's, it's, fu- it's not only is it funny, it's well thought out. Um, I mean, there's the comedic value to it, but, you know, the, the payoff on the jokes, it's like how it's put together. And, you know, like, Jamie, you had, like, a great thing that um, I remembered on that one, for example. It was like, you know, Brian Dole Murray takes the before picture, and it's like, you know, the way that that joke should have ended is there should have been an after picture taken, right? It would have been two seconds just to see him come out snapping a photo, and, like, that would have ended, you know, completed the joke. So it's like, okay. He could
1: he could have done it during the montage. right. And it's like,
0: you know, that that might have made that that might have made that an all star episode because that might have been funny enough that it would have you know brought everybody's score up. You know, so I think you what made I, it correct.
2: I think that what would have been cool with that, too, is if that would have played or, you know, been the still shot over the closing credits, you know, the right. after photo. Right. I think that would be that would have been hilarious.
0: Right. Uh, you see, and now, yeah, and see, now you're looking at it again, 27 years later, and you say, okay, like, how could I re-put this thing together and make it a five? I mean, you guys gave them great scores, but it's like, okay, like, how do you, how do you get to that finish line? How do you get that fourth touchdown in a the, in the single game, right?
1: <laughs> right. And exactly. And I had to make my own before and after picture. I posted on our group page, because there was an obvious one of Kelly peeking over the counter. That's obviously your after picture. I don't know how. Nobody thought of that. But I was actually really sad when I looked at our ratings on this chart you made that it did not, it was not a Hall of Famer because that's one of my favorite episodes. I gave it a 4.5 though, and so did Dan and Jamie gave it a four. And I believe it's not because of anything to do with Kelly. I'm thinking of the what else was in this episode that could have brought it down. Did we not like the things with Al and Stee, uh, Jefferson and Marcy and Peg or whatever? Like, there had to be something else that we didn't like about that episode that's escaping me right now. And all I remember is Al going in there and taking a picture and stealing the nickel and things like that. I can't really remember what didn't work about this episode. Could it come to your minds or no? Because I, it's escaping no, me. No, I
2: honestly, when I was going over the, uh, the you know, the episodes to, to try to come up with my choices for this discussion, I expected that one to be pretty high. I was like, oh, well, that's probably going to be high up. And then when I actually went back and looked at the score that I gave it, I was like, oh. It's like, oh. Oh, I guess not. And, but I can't for the life of me remember why. Right. But I was like, well I guess I just have to trust myself like I have to trust my back then self there was something about there was something about it that I that you know that didn't work but I just I can't
1: remember what it was I can't remember I'm gonna I would I literally should have listened to our last five minutes to see in our wrap ups of the episode why we said that
0: um, I mean, I, I think another great one was Death of a Shoe Salesman. You know, that one had so much content um, to it in terms of like the material that they were, you know, trying to, you know, <laughs> tell us, you know, educate us with. And um, Alex, you had pointed out how uh, poignant it was. Like, that's probably the episode that will play, you know, when Ed O'Neill finally passes. Right. I mean, you know, uh, when Edith Bunker. Um, uh, Jean Stapleton died. I mean, there's this one scene where, you know, her character dies on the show. I mean, and that was what was all over the news. You know, they had to play that particular thing. But, I mean, you hit it. I mean, all that, you know, Western, Western geezer Theater stuff and um, all the, the entire setup. Dan Castanoletto was on that episode. It was it was great. Right. Um, like I said, just the sheer material, like, really worked out. I mean, not when you had Lacey as a guest. So she was also looking at it objectively. Again, someone who wasn't involved um, I know she said that she does a lot of the notes with Dan, but, you know, we got to hear another perspective. <laughs> maybe somebody who hasn't necessarily watched the show for 30 years. <laughs> like, a nut, like a nut like me, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, she she is definitely a different perspective. She gave it the lowest rating of a 4. I gave it a 4.5. Dan gave it a 5. Um, and your notes really put that episode over the top for us. Um, you just Picked up on every pop culture reference that I never would have realized, or like you even knew, like what they were referencing with these guys when it ha- was not said and there's not. Im- I don't even know how you do what you do. Um, you've improved our show so much with your diligent note taking and research is just out of this world. And uh, me and Luigi were talking last night. You guys don't even know how lucky you are to get this research and notes you have because. He has a window of time where he's able to do this, and that time is not going to last forever, but he actually, he did most of everything already before we even are getting to it, and it all happened during this window of time he has, and we are going to be so grateful, and we're all going to benefit from all the hard work you did. So thank you again, man, for you and Annabelle, and the research team is amazing.
0: Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, I want to say, let me tell you, it's been a thrill for me to work with Annabelle, like I said, I've been looking at her stuff online for years, at least 20 years back. Um, so, I mean, to be able to work with like the world super fan of Married with Children, I mean, she is at the top of the pyramid when right. it comes to this stuff. I mean, that's been an honor and thrill uh, for me to bounce things off of her. But um, for me, the journey in looking at, like I said, and I said this before, like I really love writing on the show you're really getting into the head for me. What I do is I read, I read the script and as I come across something, it's like, okay, yeah, they make mention of something. So, you know, I'll go on Google and I'll do some research on like, what are they talking about here? Cause it's so specific. And you're literally getting into the head of someone who was about 40 years old, 30 years ago, right. writing about their childhood. You know, I came. you know, I, I realized this, it's like Al Bundy is my dad's age, right? You know, um, Ed O'Neill and my dad are probably just maybe be four months apart in age. Right. So it's like, what, what did the world look like for them as children? Because you know, as they're acting in this, you're getting references. For example, this was season uh, seven, which was my freshman year in high school. So you're getting all the cultural references from 1992, 1993. It was a happy time for me. So things come back to me. But then you're thinking about, well, a 40-year-old in 1993 was thinking about his childhood, his or her childhood. Which was the 1950s and 1960s? You know, to bring that forward, it's like if I'm writing a, sh- a show today and I'm going to make reference to things from the 1980s and 1990s, you know, someone who's 12 or 14 years old is going to be rolling their eyes because they're not going to know what the hell we're talking about. Right. So, you know, I mean, so it's like you're getting for me, it's like I'm learning, I'm, I'm remembering the early 90s, and I'm also remembering, I'm, I'm also understanding. It's like what what did the world look like in their eyes, and what was funny to them? Because obviously their demographic was not me. You know, I I was watching the show as an eight-year-old, nine-year-old. I wasn't the demographic. They were hitting people who were, you know, in their early 20s and 30s at that point in time, 1987, 1990. So uh, it's been a wonderful journey for me because I get to see what, you know, the world looked like in their eyes. And if you go back, I mean, Jamie, you and I like talked about that, um, you know, about television from you know, what we grew up watching. I mean, the stuff we were watching in syndication in the 80s was mostly stuff from the 70s with a couple of things from the 60s. So now, like, you know, you're learning about like Larry Storch, like the Larry Storch and F Troop. It's not necessarily something I watched a lot of. Um, You know, Father Knows Best. like really wasn't in reruns, at least not in the area I lived in. Um, So now you're looking at it and you're reading, it's like, oh, that's what he's talking about because, you know, he makes a, a very obscure reference in the script you're finding it someplace else. It's like, and there's a whole history behind that, and some of it is interesting, some of it isn't. But you know, they're pay- they're paying tribute to their predecessors, so I, I think that's that's really what the journey has been for me, uh, and I appreciate the opportunity to do it.
1: Yeah, thanks. It's been great. It's really added to our show and rounded it out, and you know, it's something needed, especially when now you're getting to the seasons. That you know, some people listen. Some people prefer season eight and on more than they do the first half i've heard already i've already gotten messages to say that but the majority of people
2: it i think it has a lot to do with when people came into something um just like with i I, every time i discuss anything it always comes back to horror but i can't help it that's just that's what i know um (laughs) uh like a lot of times if you look at a franchise uh, you'll have people who will come into the later ones because they're younger, and they'll come into the later films in the franchise, and those are the ones that they love. I actually, saw Dave had posted Dave Z had posted a screenshot from a horror group where this guy was like, "What's your favorite Jason movie? I love Jason Libs. It's the best one after the remake." And I'm like. <laughs> Uh, like, 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 you know, what? Um, when everyone knows it's part four, but whatever. Um, the, uh, you mean two, right? Uh,
1: <laughs> no.
2: Oh, <laughs> look at you. But, um, it's. I think it has a lot to do with when people came into something. So if they had been watching this this show from the very beginning, they're likely going to think that one of the earlier seasons are better. Typically for me, what I have found is that it tends to be seasons two or three of a, of any series. Because the first season, while it obviously must be good if I keep watching it, Typically, that's them trying to find their footing. They don't really have their characters down yet. A lot of times, the set will even be different, you know, before they finalize things. Their look will be different. If you go back to Married with Children season one, look at how they look back then versus how they look now. It's, and I don't mean just age, I just mean like the whole aesthetic, like Peg. I mean, that's a huge difference. So, right a lot of times in the very early, typically the first season, they don't really have their footing yet. But what I have found is that seasons two, seasons three, those are usually the ones that I really love. Uh, like season two of Friends, I think is the the best season of that show. So if I had come into them later though, uh, then I probably would have a little more love for whatever season introduced me to that show. So I think that happens a lot. I think a lot of it has to do, when it boils down to, um, and I hate to say the word cuz it gets tossed around all the time and it kind of irritates me, but in this case I think it's the only accurate word to use and that's nostalgia. Right.
1: Absolutely. No, yeah. I I think
0: that, that those are excellent points, yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I mean, the, one, the other thing I'll say Alex for you is that, you know, this is also the season where, you know, you you had like top billing on the uh, horophilia results um like at least twice, right? I think the last two months you've had like uh, you've had like top 4 or top 5.
1: Oh, yeah, t- um, top, we have um, like three or four episodes in the top ten downloads of the whole network. So thank you to, to everybody who's been sticking around and uh, supporting the show and being there for the whole ride and journey because this is a horror network. And typically, um, even horror-based shows that you would think uh, everybody is going to clamor for, they don't even make – it in the top 10 downloads so to ju- you know we're just a show that we're, we're allowed to be on this horror network just because of the, uh what we've done in the past and uh you know knowing the guy who runs it really well and it was just a podcast network and we didn't want to like go crazy starting our own and doing it all. But, you know, we eventually might because that that network's not going to last forever. So all these shows are going to be moved over to a new thing eventually. But um, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to even be on this network. And yet we're still topping people who are probably like looking at this thing and slamming their phone down because they're working really hard and they're doing all they can to make it in top 10 and hoping this is the month they make it. And here comes this married with children podcast, and we're taking four of those spots. <laughs> um, one reason because we're the we're the most productive and consistent podcast on the network. Um, nobody does a show weekly. Nobody. If they do, it's not anywhere nearly as produced. So there's a lot of factors here, and um, we also have a niche audience. And we also are the only podcast in the world of its kind. So there's a lot of things that are like helping and hurting us at the same time. And yet we're still making it as a top 10 of the entire network, which we don't even really belong on. So that speaks volumes that we could overcome all these things and it's because of you guys and it's your passion and it's our passion and it's our hard work and you know scheduling and producing and consistency it's so many things make things happen and if you don't do them or if you're missing even one of those components it might not happen yeah lightning in a bottle man it's it's been great
0: and, you know, the other thing I'll say is that you know, the you guys as a team, you know, you know, Alex, Dan, Jamie. I mean, the three of you together really make the show. Um, you know, I, I could say it's like that. Every Bundy has a birthday was probably one of the um, the best podcast episodes that I liked. Because I, I loved how you guys dressed it down. I mean, it's it's not about me, you know, being a fan, just saying, it's like, oh, they're going to talk about my favorite podcast. I, I think some of your better podcasts really are the ones where, you know, you're very critical and you are dressing it down. And that that's the inter- – it gives me a lot of entertainment value. You know, that – and maybe that's just maybe because as married children fans we have a dark sense of humor, but that, I'd say those are the better shows. <laughs>
1: One of our most popular shows were something where we trash movies. It was called um, When a Horror Franchise Jumps the Shark. And it was when, uh, like, you take all the big horror franchises, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Hellraiser, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, you know, you just go through the whole list, Child's Play, whatever, Amityville Horror, whatever. And where did it go wrong? And then we'll pick that uh, that movie, and then we'll just trash it and say why it's wrong and how it messed everything up. And people people loved it. They said they, that was their favorite uh, thing, you know. To a lot of people, that's some of their favorite shows that we've ever done. So yeah, um, how much you're gonna enjoy a podcast has nothing that to do with how good the movie or show is you're reviewing <laughs> believe me we learned that a long time ago so yeah it's definitely it goes hand in hand so uh let's move on to best moments um i don't know how you guys did yours i'm just gonna run through because we're already like an hour and uh yeah what about an hour into this i'm just gonna run through um about 15 moments that I feel were my favorite of the season, and then you guys can go ahead and give it however you did it, if you did it through character or if you did it just broad stroke or whatever. Um, So um, a lot of mine is based on montages. This is a good montage season, and uh, a lot of my favorite ones were Alan Jefferson, their montages on Al on the Rocks, I loved that whole thing with the girls with the dollars and throwing the bottles and spinning them in the air and catching them and pouring the drinks. And I just loved like the mannerisms and Al's dad bartending (laughs) and things like that. Um, I love the Kelly waitress montage in Kelly Doesn't Live Here Anymore. I thought that was absolute genius. There's not a single moment of that that didn't pay off the absurdity of all of it her hand going in the pie and just slapping it on a plate and her boss giving her that hot dog in her mouth to serve a customer it's like it's just absolutely brilliant to me I love that episode and I'm and I will go back and listen to see why it did not get a five I'm it's itching at me now to figure that out then you got al's biker montage and heels on wheels with the girls on the bike and his long hair and his hand down his pants and him picking up a sandwich all off the road i mean that was just perfection right there i just loved it you get the peggy and the pirates montage which was the weaker of all the ones i'm mentioning but it's such an amazing episode that it was just great and just al just look acting like he's looking over the edge of the boat but he's really pissing and he's like zips up his pants which there's no zipper on those pants he's wearing but uh not that that matters but it was just so funny Then you get to other moments, like I loved Al walking in on everybody with their pants down and frat chants, and just his reaction to that. Uh, That was just amazing to me. I loved Al giving out all the Christmas gifts that he got from Ray's bar. That was amazing, and how he did it, (laughs) Uh, because you don't know how he did it, so you could imagine that it was pretty bad. But... Bud finally getting laid on the wedding show. That was a great moment for me. Him scoping her out, the way she went upstairs with him, just great. Al going to hang himself in better... uh, Doesn't get any better than this uh, when they're in the cabin with Marcy and Peg. That was just so cool to watch him attempt suicide. (laughs) Then Al in the beauty parlor and Jefferson in the beauty parlor in Mr. Empty Pants was amazing to me the whole exchange of al talking like pegs a car you know whatever you can't fix just slap a coat of paint on it and and uh to jefferson uh you know how about them bowls they would be all right if they got jordan and then you know (laughs) al Al leaves and then uh he goes you know i say to marcy you know how come dinner isn't ready when i get home hey because i'm busy bitch (laughs) you know like all that stuff, uh, even Peg with the Bertha with eat nothing bigger than your head diet with a gigantic ice cream cone. Like that whole moment was so amazing for an amazing episode. I loved Al punching out the burglar in court uh, because he's going to pay $50,000. So he's going to do it again and pay a hundred since he doesn't have the money anyway. So, And I really wanted that guy to get his comeuppance. Uh, Al beating people up in the movie show was amazing. He beats the guy up who tells him to shut the hell up because the movie's starting. Then he beats up Kelly's boyfriend, which is pure epicness. Loving family moment. And I loved Peg making the phony phone call for Al to boost his male confidence in Death to Us Part. He's down and out. She's feeling bad. She gets him a burrito and toilet paper. And the burrito's off a truck, by the way. And uh, she makes that phone call for him, which is really endearing. And it shows that, you know, she really doesn't want to see him like that. And that was like a nice moment. And the final thing I have for one of my favorite moments is, I'm uh, you know, I'm obsessed with The Simpsons. I love Dan Kastenletta. And I know a lot of people didn't like his um, character a lot in Death of a Shoe Salesman. They thought he was a little too creepy and over the top and not realistic and all that. But... I, I was okay with it, and it was cool for what it was, and one of the best moments of that episode was presenting the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle coffin. <laughs> to me, that was just amazing when Bud and Kelly were looking at it and everything. Those are just my favorite moments of season seven in a nutshell. so.
2: Well, I don't think it'll be surprising that a lot of yours will also make my list, but... Some of my top ones are I, I love Al in Unalpha Entry where he just punches the the, the burglar. Um, I just for whatever reason I love it when Al gets violent because the movie show is also on the, <laughs> right up there with that.
0: Yeah, but I get, get just, your frustrations out, Jamie. Is I, out maybe <laughs> I
2: don't know. I mean, typically it's because he's in defense of something. Now in Unalpha Entry, he's in defense of his home, but. Um, Or his belongings. I still can't wrap my mind around what a burglar would find appealing in the Bundy's house. But, you know, (laughs) Um, the and of course, I I briefly mentioned it earlier with um, Bud uh, taking up for Kelly in the Tramp episode. Yep. T-R-A something something spells tramp <laughs> I, I love that I also had on my list when Al when, Al, when uh, Peggy made the phone call for Al in the very last episode uh, the scene where Peggy is just like nope this isn't happening I want my husband and then Al too you can see the want on his face you know the sadness on his face he doesn't want Peggy to leave and aside an, an article recently came out Alex you posted it Uh, where someone was basically talking about, hey, everyone's complaining about friends being cringy. What about this? And then they started highlighting all the problems that Married with Children had in the 90s and why it would be problematic now. And one of the things that the author said was that they couldn't stand each other, that they could barely stand to be around each other. And that's just not true. You know, if you take a very superficial glance at this show, that may be the idea that you get. But if you really pay attention, if you're actually watching the show, then you know that's not true. You know, they really do love each other. And it and it comes out uh, periodically. But when it comes out, it's, it's always really heartwarming, and, and I love it. But, I mean, basically the show is hyperbolic on both ends, you know. So it it just it blows their disdain for each other completely out of the water and uh, it's over the top. But that's, you know, for comedic value. And But if you really know anything about the show, then you know that they genuinely do care about each other and those those moments come up. Um,
0: sorry, I got sidetracked. Yeah, and Jimmy, what, what I, I, no, it's all right. Well, you know, Jimmy, one thing I, I'll just say is what you just said is that um, whoever wrote that, um, it's probably the same person who writes the IMDb descriptions that don't really match the episode. <laughs> you know, like somebody wrote it. I mean, I, I did they really watch the show? Maybe, or maybe they watched like you know, like ten minutes of, of the twenty-two minute, you know, twenty-two minute episode and didn't really get it. I mean, if you're like, if you're going to write something like that, make sure that you're informed. I mean, did you actually watch the whole thing? Right, okay. and that, that well, honestly, you like that's probably. I do like a Tyler Tigno and watch the whole show in a month, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean that, that's a problem that we have with the journalism, period these days, particularly, and and, and I'm speaking mainly of entertainment journalism, because people love to throw out pieces about something that they don't know anything about. And we see, and again, I'll bring up horror, but in the horror community, we see that a lot. You have a lot of people who come in and they write these big, long articles. And it is, if you read the article, it is 100% clear that they know nothing about the genre. And That just irritates me. Like, do do not pretend to talk about something that you clearly know nothing about because you have just lost all credibility. And um, anyway, so yeah, that happens a lot. And I just think that, yeah, when I was reading the article, that was pretty clear. This person doesn't know anything about this show, nor do they care to, you know? And uh, what I really wanted to say was, why don't you bring up all in the family while you're at it? Because I'm sure you didn't get that one either. You know, (laughs) like, uh, they're clearly missing the, the entire point of the show. And... Uh, if it's, you know, it's going over their heads, so it must be bad. And, and then they're, they're just not that bright. Um, I loved when uh, Al got the job. <laughs> and even though it involved a lot of dad dancing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's just, I, I just loved it. It's adorable. I love the fact that, you know, the women were all over him. I love the fact that it just... It, he was willing to do it, you know, and good on, um, good on Ed O'Neill for being like, yeah, I'll strip my shirt off and do some dad dancing with a bow tie. You know? <laughs> um, and then of course Jefferson came in and, and did that. Oh my God. Jefferson had some amazing moments this season. The, speak, oh uh, yeah, um, I feel like every single time he was on screen, it was just fire. You know, um, uh, like you mentioned the, you know, I'm busy, bitch. Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but he just was rubbing everything in Marcy's face this season. And it was hilarious. And why doesn't anybody bring up their relationship if they're trying to cast shade on married
1: with children? Because yeah, they're the good ones. <laughs>
2: he's clearly, clearly a, a user and nobody says a word about that. But uh, yeah, he, he had some amazing, but Marcy did too. Like, and that's the thing is I'm as I'm thinking back, like things just keep popping in my head. I'm like, how how did would anyone think this was a bad season?
1: These people were on fire, especially Je- Jefferson and Marcy. This is their greatest season. I think I I absolutely agree. Um, we were in love with them. Oh uh, yeah,
2: every t- every time I'm telling you, did it? It came up. I swear, every episode. Right. Um. I love when Kelly got the job. And I'll tell you what I love about that is, I mean, she's had jobs in the past. She's done things here or there. But the fact that she had this one and she kept it and it was more than just a novelty for a single episode. This was actually her job. And she really seems to care. Um, Like she's like, I got to go. I'm late for work. You know, and it's a throwaway line and it's no big deal. But it's, you know, she actually cares about her job. The fact that she has one and she may not be all that bright, but you know, you can tell when she's all messy and everything, she worked hard. So she might not be good at it. She might be throwing food at people, but she's, (laughs) she's doing it with, you know, the best of her ability. And the fact that she grew up under Peg's tutelage with her, uh, basically trying to teach her never to work. And yet she still has this job. I think that's fantastic. I I love that about her. So anytime that comes up, that makes me really happy.
1: Yeah. So many, how about you, Luigi? What are your highlights of this season?
0: Um, I mean, I think you guys have really covered most of them. Um, there were a couple just that stood out that haven't been discussed. So, you know, one of the things, um, and you guys didn't touch it in the episode, but, you know, Alex, one time you said, you know, you said there was like a very subtle joke about um, Bud, you know, like don't get your finger caught on the staples. I think like when he was bringing up on magazine, right. you know, up, right, to, right, up right. to his room. It was so, it was so like, you know, it was so subtle but very funny. But in the, the You Can't Miss episode, you know, Kelly comes down and it's like, well, you know, we have to convince, you know, uh, convince um, Bud that it's not, um, that it's Sunday, right? So, Alex. Yeah, so Al takes his his hand, his right hand, which he normally puts down his pants, and switches to the left. Um, You guys really didn't touch on that. And I, I just find that to be absolutely hysterical. Because it's there's a biblical connotation to it. In other words, it's like you know you work for six days, but the seventh is the day of rest. So in other words, his right hand works for six days. So now we switch to the left, and that's when he puts the uh, you know his left hand down his pants. And 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 you know and everybody knows. It. I mean, like and everybody says, oh my God, it's Sunday because yeah, it's like <laughs> the day of rest. Yeah, I think I
1: did touch on that. I did touch on it, but I said, "Well, how would that tell us that it's Sunday? What does that have to do with anything? Is that is that a thing, right?" Man, you just made it so much better. That's I never even considered that, and and I didn't, and nobody really made it evident in on any level of what that meant. But man, you just see, and that's the beauty of looking into things because you appreciate them more most of the time with this show.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe it's because I went to Catholic school, you know.
1: <laughs> and people were afraid that this podcast was going to ruin things we're like oh god they're gonna look way too into it and but and you know one example um russell haddix recently he was sort of not thrilled with the way we reviewed peggy and the pirates he felt that we were being overly negative and stuff and um i remember we all gave it a five out of five so i was really confused by what he meant when he said these things so i went back and listened to that review I do see what he's saying. There are a lot of times on the show when we're doing this that we'll take scene by scene and we might criticize a character like, really, you think that's a good idea or blah, blah, blah. and we'll say things like that, and um, then at the end, we'll still give it a good rating, and it might seem like, oh, God, along the way, they keep criticizing or they keep saying how stupid this is or whatever, and... When we're saying that, it's all in, in love and in jest. And even in that particular episode, so it's funny he, he felt that way because in that episode, I mentioned that I was going a little too deep into thinking about something, probably like, peg with the Domino's pizza pirate ship that so how on earth did she contact them and then they said okay we'll be there in 30 days and that was that's okay you know like you know like that kind of stuff like when you break it down and then I even said in that episode I go well listen uh, we got to talk about something here right I mean what are we going to do just to not say anything like they that's what, like, as a listener, you have to remember we might seem annoying, like, oh, God, they're, they're kind of like thinking too much about this or picking this apart. We totally know we're doing that. Um, the difference is we're hoping we're at least getting a laugh out of you in doing so, or we're hoping that it's an interesting observation, at least, or something like that. And there, we have to talk about something. So, Every scene or every line or every whatever, every kind of key moment, yeah, we're going to discuss it. And um, and I think this show is held up really well. And if we do trash um, a character or, or a choice somebody made or whatever, it's exactly what the writers want you to think. They want you to notice the absurdity in the choice of this character, and that is part of the humor.
0: Oh, yeah. They, they, I would... they, they're winking at you. Like in other words, the writers are like they're they're, they're giving you the joke and they're winking at you because they know it's tongue in cheek and they want you to know that it's also tongue in cheek, right? Yeah, I
2: would say, to like if anyone ever feels like we're being that way, then look at our look at our final rating at the end of the show, because that's what really matters. That's what tells you how we feel overall. So if you feel like we're being nitpicky, then, yeah, most of the time it's just for comedic value. Also, if there's something that we don't point out, then people will be all over us for that, too. So um, when we went through the same thing, when we went through the Nightmare series, Because everybody's like, wow, you're just taking this way too seriously. It's like, no, we're not really. You know, I'm not seriously upset about any of this stuff, (laughs) but it's fun to talk about. And yeah, you have to talk about
1: something, something. So, you know yeah, uh, we can't
2: just we can't just hop on and go yep this episode's great see ya you know, it's,
1: <laughs> or just be like yeah that was funny yep that was funny and, yep, that was you know
2: funny. a lot of times when you're doing stuff like this you'll even find yourself playing devil's advocate you know you might bring up stuff that you know you really don't care about but it's if you have something funny that you can say about it, then you're going to bring it up. But it, you know, it's not something that I'm going to lay awake at night and think I really hate that episode for this right. reason. No, no, it's just it's the most of the time it's for entertainment purposes and comedic value, and that's right.
1: what we and try and to go.
2: do anyway. And if we're not entertaining you, then I apologize. No,
0: no. But, but I mean, listen, you know. I, as a listener of the podcast will say, it's like, I, I know when you guys are doing it, Chuck, when you're tongue in cheek, you know, and, and I get it and I appreciate it. Um, but I get it, you know, but I think, you know, everyone has their opinion. I mean, the only other one I'll, I'll point out, an episode that I liked um, was the Chicago Wine Party. Um, you know, it was a fairly average episode, but I really thought that, um, you know, as a whole, it was a great satire on the whole electoral process you know, um like what people think because you know I'd say uh, Married with Children was very bipartisan. They like to poke fun at everybody, mm-hmm. but they didn't they didn't have necessarily like a political uh viewpoint. Um, you know, again, they weren't like all in the family that they were trying to teach us, you know, what not to be racists or bigots or and all that. I mean, they weren't trying to do anything. They just wanted to entertain us. But I thought there was a lot of learning in that. It's like, you know, there's a lot of absurdity in what we deal with. And it's like, okay, so now here's this character who was very passionate about not you know, being taxed for beer. And what does that look like? I mean, and think, you know, they put some comedy into that, but I also thought that, you know, you actually learned something from that too. Retrospectively, you know, going like looking, you know, 30 years later, it's like, hmm, yeah, you know, they really hit the buttons on there. It's like, does it really matter? And you guys really hit, you know, in that episode with Steven Scott, you really hit it saying it's like, you know, uh, those, uh, Change.org uh, petitions and all these things. I mean, do they really matter? You know, like, like, what, you know, if you're going to be passionate about something, probably go out and do something. But, you know, <laughs> the, the vast majority of people don't.
1: No, they don't. And they're basically wasting their time being frustrated day in and day out for what? What are you, yeah. why are you wasting your time investing your life into these politicians and what they're doing if you're not really going to. Do something serious about it. Why waste any time or any emotion or get more gray hairs or lose hairs over it? You know. Yeah, and Jamie, you,
0: you taught. solve anything. Yeah. and Jamie, you taught me that word. I'd never heard that word before. So uh, thank you for adding to my SAT uh, uh, re- uh, reservoir. So I learned slantismist. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, did I actually use that word in that episode? Is I don't it? remember. Yeah. Was, oh, that's yes. so funny <laughs> because when you're talking about it, that immediately came back. That came to mind yeah. right now. So apparently, I mean it. Um, <laughs> um, what I find is this, and I was going to mention this earlier, is that I think the writing of this show is really nuanced and it's a lot smarter than it would appear. Uh, Just with a surface glance. And I think a a lot of people who like when I was referring to that journalist or, you know, hashtag, not hashtag, um, (laughs) quote in quotes, uh, journalist earlier is they don't really look beyond the surface of things and realize that, you know, the, the writers of the show are not stupid. They know exactly what they're doing and uh, you're right. And that it's very bipartisan and they don't usually pick sides, but what it does do is give us a time capsule of a lot of things that were going on at the time. So like you can watch this show and get an idea of the climate uh, in the country that we're living in uh, just based on things that they make jokes about things that they reference. And they do that a lot. Um, Like even like one of my favorite things was the unoutful entry. And, you know, that made me think about all the lawsuits that were going on at the time. You know, the real life lawsuits of people who were breaking into people's homes, getting injured and then suing the homeowner. It was a thing. So that if you just look at this show, then you can kind of get an idea of what was going on. And to me, that right there says that they're not stupid. You know, they know exactly what they're doing. And they do it really well. Yeah. And I'm
0: going to throw one more factoid at you. Um, so, Alex, you know, you wanted the overall season rating, which I calculated for you. Uh, season 7 had the exact same uh, uh, rating as Season 6 in terms of how you guys rated the. Interesting. Um, rate, rated it. So you both, both two seasons came out as a 4.2. So it's wow. very interesting. So, so it's just interesting to see, like, this contrast. You know and again you know maybe when we get to the end of season eight you know I, again i'm keeping score just like uh, the guy at the um at, you know watching baseball right <laughs> like I, I keep uh, i'm gonna be keeping tags every week again not that I'm, I'm i don't want to make sure that this influences the scoring but i just want to see it's like okay like how do you rate it and then how you know what is your opinion as we keep going along because um like i said the when you get into seasons eight especially nine you know the there's a lot more gimmicks. And I mean, my opinion uh, at first glance is that the writing quality drops because there's more focus on the gimmicks. So, you know, um, so is the writing as smart? There's still smart writing, but I just feel that, you know, the quality, like the consistent quality starts to drop. You know, you'll have a couple of good episodes and you'll have a bunch of bad ones, you know, from that perspective, but we'll see, you know, maybe I'm wrong.
1: Well, I I must be very tuned into this show because I said that season 6 is no different than season 7 to me when it comes to uh, you know, jumping the shark or how they stumbled in the beginning of the season and then you know, uh recover from there and things like that. Like I I I guess that's the case. I guess you meant it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, don't you love it when you're validated like that? <laughs> yeah, that's. Right. It's yeah, just we, like, we, just like that Slacktivist thing w- a yeah. while ago. I'm like, yeah. oh wow, okay. Well, then I guess I meant it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as I said, you know, I've applied some data science to this, right? I work, with, I work with data scientists, so now we have scientific proof.
1: <laughs> yeah, scientific proof. I'm right. <laughs> All right, so time to wrap up this wrap up show. So let's get to our. Least favorite episodes and then favorite episodes of the season, and then we will wrap this baby up. Let's get to our two least favorite episodes of the season. This is always fun for me. So, uh, let's start off with Luigi. What are your two least favorite episodes of the season?
0: Oof. Um, well, episode three Everybody has a birthday. That's the top of my list. <laughs> Terrible. Um, and I don't know. Um, I
1: mean, they were all pretty good. Um, mm, yeah, I had to go by rating two, you know. I, I couldn't just yeah, pick one either. I did too. It's it's kind of hard. Um, and I surprised myself.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, actually, you know, the one that I, I, I reviewed, it doesn't get any better than this. Um, you know, I reviewed that. I gave it a three. Like, I really wasn't um, – as I said it, it's sort of a funny premise, it's just I got a headache. I, I had just as big a headache as Alvin by the end of that um, episode. So I'd say those are probably my two least favorite things that I don't want to watch again.
1: Okay. Yeah, I do remember you saying that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jamie, what are your two least favorite bottom-of-the-barrel Season 7 episodes?
2: Okay, well, my number one least favorite is, uh, again, I, really, I kind of feel like everybody's going to have this one, and even people who <laughs> were never on the show, even people who were just listening to the show are probably going to have this one. And it's... Right. Uh, Everybody has a birthday. Like, I, how If anyone out there does like that episode, I would love to hear why, <laughs> because I just... <laughs> oh, I don't understand it. You know, um... It, I don't know. Maybe we should bring somebody on in defense of it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: we'll make an exclusive Patreon show of it. I don't care. Um, uh,
2: The other one – and honestly, it's not that I dislike this episode at all. It's just simply based on my ratings at the time and I I could not figure out why – I I felt this way when I did, but it was the only other one that I had that was below a four and it was the Chicago wine party. And I don't hate that episode at all. It's not, I don't think it's a bad episode. I actually think it was a good episode, but it just based on the ratings that I gave the individual episodes that, that is just where it falls for whatever reason. It falls lower than the other ones. And so there was something I guess, but I don't know what, but Uh, It doesn't mean anything bad. The only episode that I outright could not stand, (laughs) that I just don't like at all, is Everybody Has a Birthday.
1: Wow. Well, I'll hurry up and say that, too. (laughs) That is my absolute least favorite of everything we've done. I actually do like Top of the Heap more than that. (laughs) Well, maybe not. Well, I don't know. I think they're right neck and neck. I mean... (laughs) But that doesn't even matter. But like, it's all about season seven. Let's stick to that. So yeah, it is the absolute worst. It was atrocious. I don't know how it got past anybody. I don't know how Ed O'Neill and and David and and Christina and Katie, I don't know how they all said, yeah, okay, we'll do that. Like, I just don't get it. I don't know how it got past everybody. I don't know how people with a straight face at the end said, yeah, he's a Bundy. He's an honorary. But I like you could see the pain in David Faustino's face when he had to say that. It was just so unnatural and forced and ugh, a cringeworthy moment. Pitiful episode. And thank God they did not follow through with that style of humor throughout the rest of the season. Thank God, because I would have a hard time getting through those five years. If that was the case, it was tough for me to pick another bottom of the barrel because um, I really didn't give too many. I didn't really give a bad rating this whole season. I think the 3.5 is the next lowest I gave out of all the ones I did that to. I put uh, a tie for, I guess, least favorite for frat chance, and it doesn't get any better than this. Looking at all those ratings and having to pick out of like the four I gave that to, I'm going to pick those ones. Rock of Ages, I I thought it had better moments. And Go for the Old, I really enjoyed. Uh, I'm not sure why I put such a low rating for Go for the Old. Um, Again, it must be like a B-plot thing or something. It's it's another case just like... um, Kelly doesn't live here anymore. I'm not sure why Go for the Old didn't get a higher rating. Um, Dan gave it a 4.5 and Jamie went with a 4. So I'm not really sure. But I looking thinking about it, I really like it. So um, I'm not going to have that as the bottom. The fact that we had a struggle to come up with a second one should tell you something for the most part. So let's get to our top three favorite episodes of season seven. We'll start from number three and then reveal the best one at the end. So, Jamie, we'll go to you this time. What is your number three favorite episode of season seven?
2: Okay, now this is where I actually had the most difficulty: is trying to narrow down the good episodes of this season, and I must have revised my list six or seven times because I'm like, oh, like, oh yeah, this one. I mean, because I had the ones right off the top of my head, and then I went through and I'm like, oh no, this one has to go there. Oh no, man. Then they're out. So this made it uh, even more difficult. But my number three is uh, Magnificent Seven. And a lot of that is because I just feel like it was a really strong season opener. And when I, and that had to do with my expectations of this season. So I was afraid of this season (laughs) and Uh. going into it when I realized how really strong that first episode was, it, it kind of blew me away. I'm like, wow, this is great. You know, and I remember how enthusiastic we all were when we were talking about it and, uh, how enthusiastic i was just you know thinking about it plus you know um bobcat and linda blair that i mean she is a (laughs) she's a huge get you know um i well all right maybe not to the mainstream people but like for us she you know that's a pretty decent get for a random tv show so yeah i thought that was pretty cool and, yeah, I, a lot of that, like I said, the, a lot of the reason it lands here is because my expectations for this season were so low that uh, when I saw how good the first one was and then it just kept going. Oh, okay, after the birthday thing. Um, and yeah. Then, um, yeah, I was so pleasantly surprised that it kind of had to make my list.
1: Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Uh, Luigi, what is your number three of season seven?
0: christmas yeah i really um you know i think like what sealed the deal for me with married with children was you know the very first christmas episode because like when you know santa claus falls on the roof um and if you remember you know it said like this episode depicts a monday christmas so like viewer discretion is advised <laughs> so that like sort of really piqued my interest at that point um and interestingly, uh, you know, the first episodes of All in the Family used to have that. So if you ever watch season one of All in the Family, they have the disclaimer. It's like, this is like very like strong, very strong language is, is being used on the show. Viewer discretion, viewer discretion is advised. So I wonder if they borrowed from that. But um, I just love when they just poke fun at Christmas and like, you know, the, the sarcasm around the jokes. I mean, when, um, you know, the, the guy pulls out the gun because he wants to shoot the elf because he's singing, yeah. you know? I mean, yeah. That, that like that tickles my funny bones. So um, I mean, I think just for like nostalgic purposes, um, one of my favorites.
1: Definitely a great pick. My number three for season seven is the movie show. I think that is an amazing episode. It's so iconic. I love the Bundys out of the house in a movie theater. Uh, we miss the movie theater now more than ever, so what great timing it was because we were already missing it by then. I know it was a few weeks ago, but even then, every every little moment there wasn't a, a dead spot in there, Bud going airborne across the aisles, Um, Al beating multiple people up. The scene at the concession stand, (laughs) just like uh, the whole premise, uh, you got to love the idea of let's ask somebody to do something because you know they'll say no. I mean, I literally did that even after this episode. I said, hey, let's ask this person, because you know they're not gonna, and that way we get credit for it. I did that to somebody recently. Um,
2: Oh, yeah. It's like knowing that you need to call someone, and you call them, and their voicemail picks up, and you're like, well, and you leave a message, and you're like, well, I did it. Like,
1: Yeah, you're like, (laughs) swish. (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's amazing. Um, So that episode is great. Movie show. One of the best of season seven, absolutely, without a doubt. So... Jamie, what is your number two uh, of season seven?
2: Okay, uh, I did have one point to just a quick point to make about Christmas, and that is I will I will give it this: I notoriously hate Christmas episodes of any TV show. I just I don't. It's just like I don't like vacation episodes of TV shows. I I don't like anything outside the norm, you know. So, but I did like this one. So that is kind of huge <laughs> because I don't I just honestly and I like the the but I like all the Christmas episodes that they do so that's pretty big because I typically will turn on I will actively turn away from a Christmas episode if I'm watching a TV show um, my number two is the TRA something something spells tramp and uh, I mean we had I don't know pretty much covered it earlier, but we had Corey Feldman and we had uh, Bud doing the thing where he takes up for Kelly, which I just thought was extremely endearing. Plus, I just think it was very funny. The whole scenes where Kelly and the girls were commiserating, that just cracks me up. (laughs) And the the fact that uh, we discovered that they pretty much had all the same universal issues. Um, Plus, we got the B-plot there, which... To me, isn't the strongest part of that episode, but I don't think it's bad. I just really, really enjoyed that one. And, uh, like, well, that was a Hall of Famer, right? That was our first Hall of Famer, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, so – and that is really strong in the beginning. Again, just to come out of the gate so strong – except for that birthday thing. Um, (laughs) That birthday thing is right up there with Rodrigo. (laughs) It's
1: something you'll never pick.
2: I would never pick the birthday episode. (laughs) Uh, But this one, again, in the very beginning, to come out that strong, it just, it's incredible. So I had a really fun time
1: with that one. Nice. Luigi, what is your number two for season seven?
0: Death of a Shoe Salesman. Nice. Um, you know, just from its, um, I mean, just the whole premise, the, uh, again, really dark gallows humor. I mean, like, you know, they made fun of, like, the whole death process, you know, being in a mortuary in a cemetery, you know, a funeral home in a cemetery, I mean, that's pretty much a the theme with me. It's like you know, like Christmas. It's like the anti-Christmas, death. It's like you know, satirizing death. Um, I just think it was written very, very well. Uh, again, you know, I, I went and looked. I looked up all those cultural references, and you know, it, it really I was. It was very smartly written. I'll use a British term: very smart.
1: <laughs> yeah, it really was. You really pointed all that out. Like I said, so thank you for enhancing my enjoyment of that episode. Really good stuff. So my number two pick of season seven is near and dear to my heart, man. Growing up, uh, I guess 13 years old when Mr. Empty pants came out, man, <laughs> <laughs> I was just absolutely in love with that episode. And I'm, I wore that tape out. till it was onion skin thin for some reason. I just kept on, I just loved Mr. Empty pants. And so Dan was not on that episode, and Tyler Tigno was, and he gave it a five. He seemed to appreciate it as much as I did, and obviously you did too. So that's great. It's a Hall of Famer, and it's totally deserving. It's really um, an episode that I think most people don't think about, and it's one of those um, underrated episodes, and thank God it was not underrated on this show, because that would kill me. I remember the, uh, a couple... A couple underrated episodes that killed me on this show were like uh dead men don't do aerobics um uh, the way Jerry and j p felt about that like ripped my heart out know uh, what really... about the toilet episode? <laughs> don't get me started on that one <laughs> yeah, we still gotta do that show yeah i I ripped other people's heart out with that one um and the other one they ripped my heart out was al um. Was Al loses his cherry Oh, no. It was the one where Tiffany, Tiffany comes to the house. The homeless girl. Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah, that, they, oh, man, the ratings they gave that. I think it got a 2.5 from JP. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. But, um, yeah, Mr. Empty Pants, great from beginning to end. What a premise. But what he s- does with these chicks is fascinating to me. Uh, I just love that. Um. Al was just killing it. The artwork was really cool. The whole premise was just really great. I just loved every minute of it. I could watch that episode a million times more and love it every time. So that is number two for me uh, for this season. So, Jamie, what is your absolute favorite episode of season seven?
2: It may be surprising. I don't know. I, I don't think it is. But I think a lot of people might not think it's that big of like that heavy a hitter, although it did make your list. And that is the movie show. Mm -hmm. I just absolutely love everything about that one. I love the fact that they're in the theater. I love the fact that uh, I mean, I think that was a really good episode for Kelly. And it actually showed her being affected by something emotionally as far as guys are concerned and which. I like I like that and also the fact that she gave up her date to go with her family that's huge I thought that was really sweet you know and not something that you would probably see her doing in earlier episodes or earlier seasons but the fact that she was like oh no it's my birthday I should I should spend it with my family and I I like that. I love the fact that they went to the movies cuz that's something we do. I love the fact that Al just went to town on, on this guy. Like everything about that episode to me sums up all the things that I love about the show on the whole. So it was yeah, I, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. And it's one that I could watch over and over again.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great choice. Definitely. Uh, Luigi, what is your absolute favorite episode of season seven?
0: Okay. So this will come out of Left Field, although I have mentioned it. But my personal favorite is You Can't Miss. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, I do
2: really love that, that episode. That, and, you know,
0: the, the dark humor on that. Um, is you know like tickles my funny bone each time you know <laughs> when al even says you know it's like i choose rodrigo over your mother it's like i lose it <laughs> each time <laughs> mm-hmm. but i mean like the whole pre-, pre you know the whole setup bill maher you know playing the, the game shows you know it's obviously reminiscent of the episode just married the children when alan peg appear on the game show uh and we will have kelly appear on a game show at the end of next season yeah um so all of them will appear on a game show. I just think it's it's funny, you know, they uh, satirize the whole thing, and you know, it's a great payoff at the end. I, I except one of my personal favorites.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like I like all your choices. They're totally atypical, which is great. Um, I think all of us sort of have been that. Um, the only probably general consensus I think in this list so far is probably the movie show. Yeah, absolutely right yeah I, I mean like i it
0: didn't make my li- i mean make my list to get them my personal favorites but that one i mean just seeing al you know kick kick the crap out of, out of that guy i mean <laughs> who doesn't want to see that right
1: <laughs> no perfect uh listen we we've loved al beating up kelly's boyfriends ever since he used to slam their heads into the front door of the house and uh, the wall in front of the house those things were amazing the greatest one he ever did is when he did it to uh oh, my Mon- mongo's Mon- brother yeah mongo's <laughs> brother that's what it was Yeah, I uh.
2: <laughs> hey i got a brother named
1: mongo oh, <laughs> i got a brother named mongo yeah the uh <laughs>
0: and i believe i believe i believe that was borrowed from blazing saddles um so Mon- mongo was the character you know the big oaf uh he was the guy who played the dad on webster um uh, And, like, that's because, you know, whenever I think of it, there's this guy at work I call Mongo because he's about the size of Mongo. (laughs) That's like, hey, you know, I need a fire hydrant move from here to here. and just, like, picks it up with one hand. Yeah, no problem.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the guy's name was Jake (laughs) on the Married Children episode. (laughs) So, uh, now, before I say my favorite of the year, I do want to say I love Kelly Doesn't Live Here Anymore. And it's very sad that that's not going to be in my top three. And just like Jamie, we're kind of sticking to our ratings because we're thinking well if we said it then as soon as we got done going through the motions here um then we had to be that had to be our truest uh feeling uh, instead of just thinking about it you know uh, two months later i i'm just sticking to that but i i'm telling you it kills me not to have uh kaylee doesn't live here anymore because that's one of my i thought it was one of my favorite episodes ever so that's my honorable mention but um So, my favorite episode of this season probably is going to be pretty surprising. It's Peggy and the Pirates. Okay. Yeah.
2: I was expecting somebody to have that.
1: Yeah, right. I love that episode. Like, listen, I'm a huge fan of the show in the first five seasons, I'm a huge Steve fan. I w- it was great to have him there, but that's not even really what put it over the top. Him being there and his performance absolutely added to the rating and, and my overall pick here. But I just love the thought of the episode. You could see it when you think about it. I love that it was Seven's last episode, but that's only in retrospect because i never thought that growing up. You know, I didn't think about him or even know that it was his last episode growing up. Um, And this was always a favorite of mine. Another one like Mr. Empty Pants that I really watched a lot. Um, I just love the set design. I loved the whole premise and how the cabin boy girl and let me prove it to you. How? You know, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I love the girls jumping over instead of uh, hooking up with Bud. I loved Al in that episode. He was great. I loved Peg. I loved how it was Peg-centric, and she really carried that episode and narrated it really well. I love the way she looked in that episode. Oh, she looked amazing. I... She looked so good. Yeah, I said even on the episode, her hooters were banging in that episode. <laughs> like They were sticking straight out, boy. Well, I was thinking more of her hair
2: and st- and the overall aesthetic, but okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you said that because I listened to that, like I said, for Russell, when he said that we were so negative, I listened um to that episode again, and yeah, you were really into her hair. You said she looked amazing. Um, You said her hair, makeup, and her dress she had on, it was just perfect. Yeah, she looked gorgeous. Probably the best I'd ever seen her look. I think you said that, yeah. Absolutely, and I agree. She looked amazing.
0: Uh, one last thing, um, Alex, the sex points. Um. We, we, we haven't talked about that. Um, so we didn't we, you guys didn't really like keep track of sex points very well this this uh, season. But nope. the, we have a clear winner. OK. And it's Peg till death do us part.
1: Now, what happened there again? Um, that was when he was working out in the uh, ah.
0: in the basement and he gives it the you know, the, the multi day romp. So I think that blows uh, that blows any of the scores out of the water.
1: <laughs> yeah, she she took it there. So yeah, this was a great wrap-up show. So what do we have to look forward to, guys? It's season eight now. So now we're really going to be eyeballing to see who jumped the shark. Uh, I got some inside information that this season may not e- uh, even do it either. There's a prediction even after this that is an absolute definite. So that's going to be interesting to see if we agree on that. But Luigi, you just went through this episode in fine detail, uh, this season in fine detail. What would you say um, are going to be, give some broad strokes of what we could expect to to feel this season?
0: Okay, so um, we leave the Bundy house and go a lot to the shoe store. Uh, We meet Al's friends. I mean, Al has had friends that he hangs out with, you know, all the way from being in season one. But now all of a sudden we solidify a group that become uh, very famous to Married With Children fans, the No Man group. And that's like Ike and Bob Rooney, uh, et cetera. So um, we also get partners in the shoe store. So uh, Griff actually does not appear until season nine. So there's some experimentation that takes place in season eight with uh, other people in the shoe store. Uh, And, I think that when we get there, we can talk about it. But uh, you know, obviously, you guys will be talking about it. But uh, very interesting to see, like you know, the dynamic of uh, of him going out out of his ecosystem. And there's obviously, you know, uh, uh, episodes for the other characters. But um, you know, this is the setup. I think Jamie, you touched on this. It's like, this is like when people who tuned in in season eight, these are the the no-man, the the people who want to live the no-man lifestyle. So this is where you start to see it, and then it really expands in the later seasons. But the foundational stuff happens now in season eight.
1: Wow. Yeah, well, that's going to be interesting and something to look forward to. Like we said, this is the divorce of Ron Levitt and Michael Moy. So... The show is going to have a shift. It's going to change. Things will not be the same. They all feel they jumped the shark, so we'll see how they approached um, keeping the show going and keeping it fresh. and uh, What changes are, are going to be made if uh, there are going to be a lot of directorial changes? Uh, I'm curious if uh, Jerry Cohen directs the majority of these anymore. Um and stuff like that. I know he he pretty much did for the majority, but I wonder if like you know because we had a lot of Amanda Burst directing, we had uh, Sam Orinder directing in the last season. So I wonder if this uh, this changes because that'll change the overall aesthetic of the show. It'll change a lot, you know. So let's see where they go and uh, if Al starts wearing that purple shirt more than uh, I'd like him to for all of us thank you again for being a patron of the show and we hope you enjoyed this wrap up show and we will see you next week for the beginning of season eight.